0: Welcome to another episode of Wingin' Motown Radio. I'm your host, Kyle, and uh, tonight we've got JJ and Graham on with us, uh, looking to talk a little bit of Red Wings hockey, um, even though there's none going on right now. Uh... (laughs) JJ, Graham, how are you both doing? Uh, Every day is another step
1: in a hellish march towards death.
2: (laughs) Okay, Graham, how about you? Uh, I'm a little better (laughs) than that, I think. Um, It's not just hellish, it's just mind-numbingly, it's a mind-numbing march towards death.
0: (laughs) 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 I've slipped into the seventh circle of hell, but, you know, that's just, it is what it is, right? It's Um, heckish. I'm done, it'll be done. Yeah, we'll go. To, it's heckish. Frick this. Um, yeah. So uh, obviously, there's not really that much to talk about in terms of Red Wings. There's been a couple of things come out that we can talk about, uh, but I think uh, what we're really going to jump into first is what the hell went wrong with this team. Um, you know, they weren't good enough. Um, it just seems like uh, in that in against uh, a Tampa, they just they couldn't score more than two goals, and uh, that just really. Put the kibosh on everything, um, and Tampa just—they—they uh, they found a way out of it. And um, even though the Red Wings, I mean, I, <clears throat> I don't know if they had—I mean, I mean—if you look at possession metrics and everything like that, it was the the Red Wings didn't play bad in that regard, I don't think. Um, and then if you look at the other underlying numbers, you know, the stats would tell you that the Red Wings were just getting very unlucky. Um, but it just seems like they couldn't score a goal to save their goddamn lives um, and it just didn't happen and, and everything just fell apart um, so I mean what what do you guys think it was were let's go ahead and say what was the one thing that damned the red wings in the first round against the Tampa Bay Lightning um, JJ why don't you go first because you're the happiest of all of us uh, I was
1: scoring it would be the the biggest thing. And that's the thing. You know, the the playoffs are a, are a carnival of small sample sizes. So obviously like unlucky will, will screw you every time. But there comes a point where it's like, this was the, the shit, the Red Wings were like this all season. I mean, they were just not getting shots on net. They were not getting shots through. I think they actually led the league in just like failure to get shots where they were supposed to be in general, where, where they came to, Just an applicator on the power play blocking shots that should otherwise uh, either hit the goalie or the net or Gustav Nyquist just popping it over or around wide open nets. Um, So, yeah, I mean, you want to say unlucky, but man, they just got unlucky all damn season long where the point is like, at what point are they just bad at shooting the puck?
0: Yeah, it seemed like they were having trouble, like like you said with Advocator, just blocking more shots than generating shots on the power play, which was it absolutely just drove me nuts. Um, it, it just seems like they're not they weren't making the the space that they needed to to to, uh, to actually get the shots off, like you know quality shots. And when they did, they would just freaking, you know, they would send it over the damn net. You know, I saw Mike Green do it. Nyquist did it. It was just like perpetual just pain and suffering. Um, all season long, it seems, and uh, it's really unfortunate to see you know the team not start to kind of turn around and, and get that that you know whether you want to call it luck or mojo or whatever um because you know there was one part of one time in the season when they started to heat up and they were looking really 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 good and then uh it all just kind of came apart and uh the power play was a big one obviously i mean their power play was so bad against tampa it seems like tampa had everything figured out they couldn't do anything they couldn't make anything happen and um I mean, that was like the whole season. Like if the Red Wings could have figured out their power play at the right time. Well, I mean, I guess they did figure it out at the right time technically, but, <laughs> um, you know, it just, it went limp at the wrong time. Um, and it, it sucked because they were getting a lot of calls and they weren't able to capitalize on it. So, uh, Graham, what about you?
2: Yeah. i sorry, it was to me, it was the power play, uh, besides this, I mean, cause it goes hand in hand with the scoring, um, uh, um, you know, to me, it's, you can't really pinpoint one moment where they lost the series. But to me, uh, early in game five, they had that fun three. And you just thought, OK, if they just get a goal here, you know, they're going to be in good shape. And they hadn't played. They hadn't really played poorly in any of the games, except maybe game two. That one wasn't great. But um, I mean, the other the other four games, they, they played fairly well. But then they just they they stood there for I don't know, it was almost a minute it I think of and they just passed it around. And I don't think I've ever seen a five on three power play of composed of players who are supposed to be very talented players look so ineffective. Like you know, normally when it's a five on three against it's you're thinking, oh my God, they're gonna score. There's just there's yeah. no way they're gonna be able to stop it. And I get the like the complete opposite feeling. Was they're 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 not even going to generate a chance. I think they had one chance. I don't remember. If, I think it was Dats who hit the post of the crossbar, and that was it. It was one chance in a minute of a two-man advantage, and when they didn't score on that, and then the 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 little bit of power play time they had after that, in my head I thought that over they just if they can't score given that opportunity in this environment they could have scored early taken the crowd out of it um you know gotten the power play going maybe that gives them a little bit of a a, a jolt who knows but you know that was it and then you know it, it's funny the season basically ended the same way that in the same thing that it just went all season is that they couldn't score and then they just they would make them somebody would make a mistake and it would cost them and it would just end up in the back of their net and they were they weren't good enough to, to outscore those mistakes that they made. And that's what happened on that winning goal. Is they just they made a mistake and it ended up in their net. And yeah. you know, I mean lots of blame to go around maybe on the on the goal, but ultimately they didn't score, so it didn't matter how that many mistakes goal, made. They didn't score.
0: That goal was like the most depressing thing like I, I don't know what would would have been the, the most depressing thing since like before that. That was so like when they scored that goal, it was like uh, you know, um not only did the wind come out of my sails, but the uh the entire ship burned and sank and I died in the in the ocean alone. Um it, and then it was just bad it
2: was bad. It, it was very reminiscent of uh, you know, Osgood giving it up to James. Jimmy baker except without the crushing disappointment of the expectations not oh, attached to that, that not to and, and not to place blame on morazic because uh, it, it's funny when, when they talked about after he said he heard he said he heard somebody say play it i think somebody attributed it to erickson saying play it and then i thought i read another quote where he said somebody said he heard play the puck or move it or something like that i almost wonder if he got if he got tricked But I think it was Callahan. Was it Callahan that got the puck behind the net and fed it out front? Mm. Uh, I I remember correctly. Whoever it was was behind the net, I think it was Callahan. I I wonder if if Mrazek got tricked, and that's what happened. Mm. But you know, it it just it kind of felt like that. Like uh, except, you know, there wasn't the expectation that the Wings were about to go on this uh, on this run, and they got hugely upset. It was just no, yes. You know, well,
1: That's why would have liked to see in a perspective is so difficult because this is probably the least surprising exit ever. Like when they got yeah. bumped in five from by Boston, that was a really frustrating series, and um, it it wasn't necessarily surprising, but after you know they they hung with Boston and and then Datsuk won Game One in that one, it was like then everything just kind of fell apart. But this was like very much we've seen them all season long that. They can hang with any team for 50 minutes a game, and unfortunately the game is 60 minutes long. So you're just right. waiting for shit to go wrong. Um, and so in the five-on-three, when they were essentially four guys standing in a box and one guy off to the side, and they were literally just... And nobody was moving. They would just pass it up to one point and then wait for the the defenders to get set and then pass it to a different point. And that went on for a good 30 seconds. That was the most angry I've been with the Red Wings in a very long time because it just looked like, and I I hate saying it because, you know, nobody ever knows, but it looks like they had quit on a five-on-three power play.
0: Well, I mean, and yeah. They, yeah. <laughs> it's just,
1: so, yeah, we, we get to the end of, of game five, and it's like you just know that this one is... It, it, it was really weird because it got to the point where I'm like, I don't know whether or not I'm honestly rooting for the Red Wings to score here because game six is going to be painful. And then I'd snap myself out of it, like, oh, of course I want to see one more game with the Joe for the obvious reason I want Dotsuit to go out at home. Um, but yeah, when, when that goal happened, it was like, it wasn't even, it was definitely wind out of sails, but it wasn't like, shocking it wasn't like oh no it was just like well shit that that happened of course that happened
0: i was right <laughs> yeah that was that was a it was a rough brutal way to go um considering like you know the circumstances and everything and all the chances that the red wings were given um and despite that they actually played not bad it's just they score and when they needed to score they couldn't score and when adjustments needed to be made they were made and it didn't work out it worked in uh what was it game two game three i'm sorry and uh it didn't work after that and you know whatever uh go isles because i I just (laughs) i I don't know i really really hate the lightning and they have really learned to
2: not like that team um that's, but, that's funny to yeah. say that because in, in game one, I turned on and it was 1-1 uh, one, one, and then Prince scored. And I immediately let out a large cheer and, and just kind of went, oh, <laughs> I, guess, I guess I'm cheering for the— because it was totally involuntary. I mean, it wasn't—it right. was just I was watching it and thought, oh, I don't know who I want to win. Oh, oh, no, definitely Islanders. No, fuck the Lightning. Yeah. I'm sick of these <laughs> assholes, so.
0: <laughs> yeah, and it just makes me even more mad because, I mean, the Lightning were so beatable. I mean, they really were, and, you know, I Bishop really played really well in that last game. He played well for a lot of it, but I just think that the Red Wings, if they could have figured out how to actually make room, they could have really done something there and made a lot more noise, because Bishop really was letting up a lot of rebounds, and they just don't have anything up front. Like, it just... Abdelkader doesn't work on the net front like God he does not work there and that's one thing going into next season uh, you know and moving on to our next topic is how do we fix this how do we write this you know this shit ship is just, you know, I think that applicator needs to be taken off of that, that, that sort of uh, responsibility of standing his ass in front of the net, because, you know, it's easy to stand in front of the net, but, you know, it takes a certain type of uh, hockey sense and skill to be able to know what happens when the puck comes towards the net and at the net, whether it bounces off you or the goaltender. You need to figure out, you need to make that split-second decision to get it to somebody who's open or just... I don't know smack it in or something I don't know and he can't do that um, you know and the Red Wings have been trying to do that for a long time and you know it's just they, they don't have a Thomas Holmstrom anymore who can just do something like that um, so yeah I hope David Backus is good at it because he's going to probably need to do that next year <laughs> for us
1: well he is he won game two for uh, for St. Louis
0: yep. with a goal, <laughs> just like that I saw that and a lot I was like power god, play god, god yeah. damn it. that is exactly what
1: Making we need
2: the power play too yeah. Yeah. We're going
0: to give
1: that $6 million
2: a year for five here? years. <sighs> <I laughs> totally agree. It's,
1: it's the concept like Justin an can play on the power play in the down low puck retrieval area. But if yeah. he's going to do that, they need to switch out that plan to where he is not necessarily a net front player, um, where he's more to the side of the net and he's skating out, uh, probably just three or four feet above the crease. Um, not getting in the goaltender's grill so much as he's taking away um, sight lines and he's kind of annoying right. defenders. But he, it's gotten to the point where, yeah, it, he is blocking as much of the net as the goalie is. Um, you don't need a really big guy to do that. I think that, that Darren Helm was a better net front guy than Applicator than was. Um, Riley Shan, too. And Riley Shan's bigger than Applicator even. But he seemed to have a sense about him where he was just better at screening the goalie and not blocking shots so uh yeah keep applicator on there for his puck retrieval but do not tell him you're not thomas holmstrom unless you were going to spend all summer long tipping pucks in and studying the goaltender angles and getting miles better at that job stay the shit away from the grease
0: Yep, and I—I uh, I mean, I even said it before. At one point this season, I wasn't completely serious, but I'm semi-serious. Um, is that I'd rather have Abdulkader maybe in a position where he's shooting the puck. Um, you know, puck retrieval—that's—I think that's probably his bread and butter. But um, I would rather have him in a position where he is like right—you know—in that puck retrieval area. You know, he goes in and gets the puck, and maybe just throws it on net at at, at an off angle um, or something like that. I just, I don't want him in front of the net anymore. He doesn't do a good job Um, and I think that's one thing that the Red Wings really do need to focus on um, if they're going to fix the power play and um, obviously another thing is that uh, I think that the power play Coaching is gonna to have to change. Um, I think that system needs to be changed and um, you know, I don't think they're going to fire Pat Firstweiler. I think they'll probably put him like we were talking earlier today, um, not on the podcast obviously, but um, move Firstweiler into the PK uh duties because since Granado is leaving for the uh University of Wisconsin and then um, you know, bring in another guy who can uh who can maybe uh assist with the power play systematics, um you know I I don't know if they're I don't know who is out there that's going to be available obviously you know the big name coaches are gonna land head coaching jobs but I think that's another thing I think it really does need to come down to uh, specialty specialty teams uh, for adjustments and I really do think that it needs to come down to figuring out how to um, score because uh, you know the Red Wings seem to rely on that safe play and that 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 defensive style of play but they don't have really good defensemen. So it's not like... It doesn't really work all the time. Uh, Graham, what about what about you? What you? How do you feel about what needs to be fixed?
2: Um, I mean, I think a, a lot of the adjustments that we saw that were made about midway through the year, that like, there was a point in the third season where Justin abdicator was playing on the fourth line, and he actually made a really effective fourth line with uh, Shane and Helm. And, you know, he had... Um, he would split up Cronwall and Erickson, and you know Jeff Blashell had done a lot of things that that we had kind of talked about for years, like hey, you need to do this, and then he went back to kind of what what was safe because he was trying to get in the playoffs, and you know it, it happens, and that's that's fine. Um, what I'm hoping is that next year they don't worry about playing safe, and by that I mean putting guys in positions where they've had success in the past, and just hoping that they just replicate that success um what i think really needs to happen is um they just need to go with a i want to call it a youth movement because i don't think that's entirely true i just think it's it's a change in slate change in tactics and personnel and usage but giving different players not necessarily youngers, but different players uh either more or different responsibility in the hopes that you either you sink or swim with them and if it doesn't work out so For example, I mean, the big name that everybody wants to see play more is Andreas Athanasiou, and the big knock on him is that, well, he's not great enough. He's not great defensively, and you know you can't trust him in your own end, and so on and so forth. Um, To to me, I guess, to me, you're not going to develop him defensively if you don't play him, and he's not going to learn how to play sitting on the bench. Now, I get it when you're late in the season and you're trying to make the playoffs. I I get going to a guy like Henrik Zetterberg who's kind of been the there before and know what to do Um, maybe he doesn't have the physical skills but he's he's got the hockey sense I mean that hasn't left him Um, next year you give a player like like Athenasi more responsibility and if it works out awesome and if it doesn't okay I mean the only way you're going to learn if you're going to be able to 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 move forward is if you put those players in that in those positions and if they fail they fail but then you'll know and then you won't be left with um, the situation which I fear is going to happen, which is there's a, a a lot of young talent that is that that needs an opportunity to play, and it's either going to happen in Detroit or it's going to happen elsewhere. And they've they've lost some players over the last couple of years for nothing. And my fear is that if that continues to happen, uh, and those players not they're they're not lighting it up anywhere, but they could have been role players or depth players or contributors to the team currently. Currently, and they're doing so in other cities. If that happens again, it, the the cries for Ken Holland's job, which I mean, they exist right now. Are, they're going to be deafening if they just continue along this path of just sticking with veterans and plugging in young guys and just hoping that you can get, get into the playoffs. And you never know when you get in the playoffs, which, you know, unfortunately, if you watch this team this year, you knew even if they had beaten Tampa, they weren't going far. So, yeah. What I hope is that Jeff Blashill sits down. Has I mean, he's learned. He has to have learned a lot from his first season this year. Um, and now that he's got a season under his belt, you hope that he's able to go to Ken Holland and say, "This is what I want to do. These are the players that I need to do that. Let's let's do this." You know, and he he gets more of a say into how the team is run and kind of how they play and what the lineup looks like.
0: Yeah. And going on back, to what you said about younger kids and giving them, uh, you know, bigger roles. And if they do screw up, I mean, it, it, that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. I mean, what, what do we expect to these, you know, these young players to come in and not make mistakes? I mean, has nobody ever made a mistake before? I mean, it happens. Um, I think that you do need to, and you need to let them, let them learn and not punish them if they make mistakes. I think you kind of need to set it and forget it really. And, uh, um, you know they're not going to learn from their mistakes if if when they do make a mistake they're just you know put out on a desert deserted island and you know you know you know basically given no benefit of the doubt so um that's you know that's that's how I look at it. So you just you need to you need to believe in the what you have, and you need to like you know Blashill always 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 talks about trusting the process and 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 all of that. And you know it's usually like a, when he says that I kind of roll my eyes. You know, trusting the process would be put your player put your best players into you know like the guys like Adnan, see you or uh, you know a guy like Yurko maybe or a guy like Polkinen. Put them into a position. Um, set it there forget it and let it go trust the process i mean there's a learning curve they'll learn uh, and if they don't well what did what did you lose you you know you 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 <laughs> Really, nothing. I mean, it's not like you're you're out there. I mean, the the Red Wings going into next year, unless they make some really really big moves in in terms of trades, um, they're not going to be a contender next year. I don't think. Not with the way that the Atlantic is starting to build itself up. Um, you know, so they really need to be conscious of that. They need to start adapting and uh it because it's just the uh the 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 veteran the veteran core is is failing right now and it, it's not going to work if it didn't work this year didn't work the year before it's not going to work next year either so you know they really do need to as Jeff Fleschel always says trust the goddamn process you know the process has already been set with uh with guys like Henrik Zetterberg and Datsuk and and now Datsuk probably won't be here next season you know, you need to create a new process, and you need to trust it, and that's that. That's how it's. That, that's just the bottom line for me. <clears throat> JJ, do you have anything to say? Yeah, I was
1: just waiting my turn.
0: <laughs> you can always jump in. You can always <laughs> jump in and yell at me.
1: No, I agree. It's it's concept of what I'd like to to know happened, and I, we're never going to know this, but uh, I would like at some point for Jeff Blashill to approach Athena, see you, and go. Listen, kid, um, you're going to be my number two center next season. I want you to spend this summer um, preparing for that. And he Mm -hmm. I wanted to go to Dylan Larkin and say, Dylan, you're going to play center next year. Uh, You need to work on your Mm -hmm. face-offs, get better at that, Um, prepare for this responsibility. And then he needs to go to Zetterberg and say, I want you to be my shutdown third center. I don't know if he's going to do that. I don't think that that they're at a point there, but... um, you know, he needs to go to to Cronwell. You know, get your knee right and be honest with me when we start camp. If you're not gonna, if you're gonna have mobility issues, I'm gonna need to know as soon as possible. Um, and just set up to to trust the kids to you know stick with it and go with their system. The the more aggressive defense that uh, that jumps into plays a little bit more and just be willing to go with the growing pains associated with that because we can't afford to have this. Um, and this is one of the things that Ken Holland was talking about. is like, this was kind of the first year where he felt like literally they were just not good enough. He had talked about the previous year when he went out and got Cole and Zidlitzki, and then shit just kind of fell apart. Like, Applicator got hurt, Cole got hurt, uh, Fronson got hurt, and that kind of left them without any size up top. And, you know, just other shit kind of happened um, where they were still, had things gelled better the previous year, they really could have been a contender. And I honestly believe that, too. But this year, they just could not get shit together. Um, so this next season coming up, it's got to be our plan is going to be to give this team an identity, to, or to find out what the team's identity is going to be. This is what I want it to be. This is what I'm going to set up to be. If it's not looking like this, then we're going to suffer through that all season long because we can't afford to, to go chasing shit just to, to limp into the playoffs. If this team is right. not going to be the team that has the vision that Jeff Blashill wants to uh, to implement, then we need to know that and we need to get ready to uh, to go through some some real lean shit because if the team does need to go through anything resembling a rebuild. Ken Holland says, I'm not gonna rebuild it takes eight to ten years, he's fucking lying there, but and then he even hesitated to use the word reload because essentially he's been using that for the last few years. And I think he thinks that fans are just getting tired of it. So there's not really another word for it. But <clears throat> fuck it, it's another reload. I don't think that they need to tank. Um, although I would be real willing to before December gets here this year um, to say, okay, we're not tanking, but we're not really going to mind being a lottery team this one year. Um, yeah, I don't need to go through a, a total restructuring, but. If shit hits the fan, give all the kids as much playing time as you can get, and see if you can get a uh, a nice young pick.
0: Yeah, and mm-hmm. I mean, when we're talking about fixing it, and since we you know we've talked a little bit about systematics and stuff, um, going on to that that topic of trades, which Ken Holland was very adamant that he's going to be more aggressive this off season, which um, is both enlightening and completely terrifying to me. Um, I mean, what would be a couple of you know key moves to get you know let's say realistic moves um you know obviously you've got guys like Howard Jimmy Howard who could he's probably going to get shopped um you are probably going to shop a player like Thomas Tatar you are probably I would hope try and shop a, you know uh, I, I I think they're going to try and you you know obviously they're going to try and get rid of Pavel Datsuk's contract if he doesn't come back that's going to be something you know that needs to to happen in order to make shit you know to give yourself more flexibility when it comes down to uh, you know free agency um, you know even though the free agent free agency isn't all that sexy this year it's uh, you know. You know, what are, what would be some, some key moves? And I mean, you know, I, I just rattled off a couple other names, a couple of names, but are there any other names, you know, that come to mind for you guys that could potentially bring something that the team needs, whether it be, um a capable number two defenseman or a capable scoring forward. Um, you know, I mean, is there anything that you could trade that could possibly, uh, you know, that you could you could trade for something that you could acquire? Like, what would you do, you know, right off the bat? And uh, Graham, you, do you have anything? Do you have any ideas there?
2: Uh, I mean, moving Howard, I think, is probably the number one priority. Um, and the reason I say that is that when you listen to his locker room comments, I th- he's you know he talked about you know if you get traded or something it's not it's not an idea um and i'm sure it's probably been broached to him that hey you know we might uh you know we might look to to move you in the off season he's got a no trade clause as well so um i don't remember what the the actual terms of it are but i mean he's he's gonna have some say into where he goes and he's gonna want an opportunity to be the starter and he had the opportunity late in the season, and he just—he wasn't bad. Um, I mean, he kind of helped the team get into the playoffs. But, but, you know, in the playoffs, when they were when they kind of needed just a little bit better goaltending, and I don't believe they lost that series because of Jimmy Howard. Um, but he just—he—he's not good enough to to steal a series. Um, so I think if you can move him and get that cap, hit, at least most of it, because I think if you do move Howard, you might have to retain a little bit of money in that deal, which would be fine. Um, that's going to be one. The other one is going to be um, moving Datsuk's cap hit off the books if he does indeed decide that that this is it. Um, I, it. I know that they have the ability to kind of to hold on to it for a year if they need to, because it's only one more year. Uh, and honestly, that actually might be a nice built-in little excuse as to why you're maybe going younger is, hey, we've got this $7.5 million off the cap that we can't get rid of. You know, it's just it's just dead space. Ooh, what are we going to do? I guess we got to fill it with young players. I think actually people would be okay with that. But if they can find a taker for that cap hit and get rid of um, Howard's contract, and they're going to have to give up a little something to go with Datsuk's cap because nobody's just going to take that contract for nothing. I mean, that's it's, it's naive to that somebody's just be like, yeah, totally. No, we'll totally help you out. We'll take that cap hit and, uh, you know, um, cool. Uh, they'll have to throw in a young player. Honestly, if it were me personally, I'd throw in that's um, Yeah, that's, yeah, that's the one on. that I think that's the one I've been mulling over the most. So I, I would My throw spot. in Timu Polkinen with Pavel Detsuk's cap hit. Polkinen's young enough. He's only 24. He's an RFA, so he's he's mega cheap. I mean, he, he, he's got no value, so it's not like he's going to earn some sort of huge raise or anything like that. Um, he has offensive upside in the right system. He could, he could really flourish. Maybe the wings are just done with him. Um, he's the type of player that the Wings could lose and it, I don't think it would be crushing. And if you can do that to get rid of a $7.5 million cap hit that frees you up in a year where a guy like Stamkos is going to be a free agent and there are several rumors linking the Red Wings to him at least as a potential suitor, um, I, I think you have to, to do that to make that team better. Because even then, if you don't go, if say you don't get a guy like Stamkos, if all of a sudden you've got Say with retained salary, 11 million dollars of, of cap space all of a sudden. That is a shit ton of flexibility to do a lot of things. right. Um, you can go you can you can get it gives you trade opportunities. Um, you know you, you really can play around with a lot of that money. So yeah, the double th- those to me of, are the two biggest things to move.
1: The double edged sort of that kind of money is if you're able to move Pavblodatsu's cap hit and say it's gonna cost you Tammu Polkenin to clear that 7.5 million, are the Red Wings in a position at that point to say, okay, we got to spend for the cap, and while we're spending for the cap, we might as well be going for it because that's the kind of the purpose of spending to the cap, isn't it? of like I, we want to be a can we, we expect to be a contender. We are spending up to the, assumed uh, assume, $74 million cap. We moved Pavel Dotsuk's contract out specifically to give us room to spend to that. I mean, obviously, yeah, you get Stamkos, and uh, you're not considering... This is not a transition year anymore. This is a, okay, we got a new guy we're building around him. Let's, let's move it. But, like, if they trade Dotsuk away and don't end up with Stamkos and, like, don't end up, like, near the cap, mm-hmm, then... Mm-hmm. I'd kind of rather just trade Pulkinen for something else, other than let's just get rid of Datsus contract. By the way, yeah. Jimmy Howard's no trade is a ten team uh, no no
0: list. He can yeah. uh, he can deny uh, up to ten teams on on that NTC. I'm sure that if it came down to it, and in and, and he said, hey, we're gonna get you a we're gonna get you a, a spot somewhere you, where you're gonna be a starter, I'm pretty sure he would waive that list, and it wouldn't matter though. I, I think he would waive it, but that's just me. Um, yeah, I think so too. If you if you think about it, if you move, if you are able to move Pavel Datsuk's contract, you know, um, you know, you you might you might bite the bullet on Polkinen or whatever. Um, you might even bite the bullet on a guy like Yurko because um, he doesn't sound like he's very happy with with the the team right now, um, according to reports. But um, if you can move that, then yeah, I mean, the first thing you got to do is you just got to throw the Throw the checkbook at at Stamkos, um, and if that doesn't work out, if you can't do that, you might be able to get a guy like uh, um, you know, like Kyle Posto who could play on on Larkin's wing or something, which I think would be great. I really like Kyle Ocposo. I mean, he's not like a, an elite goal scorer like like uh, Stephen Stamkos, but you know, he certainly would be a, a, a nice acquisition. Um, he's like but, a better advocate. Yeah, yeah, he's a, he's a better advocate who is actually much better advocate. Um, and uh, yeah, I think. You know, another trade for me is I mean, I personally think that they're going to try and shop a guy like Thomas Tatar. And, um, in that case, if you're shopping a guy like Thomas Tatar, you know, who is a guy who's proven that he can score, um, that better bring back some sort of defensive help. Um, you know, I like. I honestly, off the bat, I want to say like it should be Tatar for a guy like Sammy Botman or something like that, something rather. Um, you know, you know, I, I I'm fine with that. I, I, it just has to bring a player, an NHL player that come, that can that can step into the lineup and 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 and, uh, and contribute every night. Because um, I mean, really, I love Thomas Star. I think he's a great player, but I. I don't give a shit. Like, if it brings us something that gives us a, it gives us a, a guy that can play every night and play big minutes and take some some stress off of a, a guy like Zetterberg or a guy like a, a Cronwall, um, Erickson, and then yeah, I don't even bat an eye. I don't even worry about it. Goodbye. Like, I but. You know, that's just me. And I, they, they really do need to get out there and they need to get a They need to get some sort of defensive help. They need to stay away from re signing a guy like Kyle Quincy. So, um, yeah, I mean, it sucks
1: because I feel like Tatar and Nyquist are not the same player, but they kind of feel like the same player anymore. Right. Um, and while it'd be nice to keep both of them, if you can move them for some real defensive help, then yeah, I think you've got to do that. As far as what's realistic, I don't know, because this is kind of brand new territory as far as Ken Holland is concerned. Um, like, right. I'm just worried that he's going to bring Kyle Quincy back, because he talked at length about size, and that's what he's going to want. Um, you know, Vatanen isn't really a big guy, is he? Um, no, no, he's not. But, I mean, if you could possibly, and I don't know if this is going to happen because it's not like Winnipeg is hurting for cap space, but if you can possibly get, like, a Jacob Truba, then, yeah, I I think that would be a a great move. And if you have to spend Tatar plus more assets for that um, on a deal, that that, that would make sense. I'm not saying it's necessarily just Tatar plus more for Truba, but whatever it is. Uh, The thing that throws the monkey wrench in the, the defenseman trade market is there's not a lot of them out there. Plus, uh, Peter Chiarelli said today, Edmonton's got the number four overall pick and he told the press that he would be very, very willing to move that number four overall pick, uh, for a good defenseman. And so whatever Detroit is going to aggressively offer in the trade market, uh, has to be more attractive than a number four overall pick in this draft. And I know they, they say this is a, essentially a, a three franchise player draft. And so the number four could go to any one of like six guys. Uh, but still, that's a very valuable pick. And I'm not sure that Thomas Tatar, uh, qualifies for that. So yeah, I, I don't know what's, what's going to happen realistically. There's so many things that are, are moving out there. I do think that Howard gets traded. Um, We've talked a lot about Calgary being a potential destination. Um, I think Carolina is kind of a dark horse destination. They're still kind of a goalie away from competing. Um, and they've got Cam Ward falling off. Um, somebody brought up, and I don't remember who the hell it was, but that um, the Islanders may be looking at, at Howard.
2: Uh, they've got yeah. Thomas Grice yeah, that's starting a good in the point. Yeah. Or the it was, uh, 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 was Elliot Friedman in his 30 thoughts. He said that... That's uh, right. The thought was that with Thomas Grice playing so well in the absence, uh, while Halak's hurt, did that close the door on the potential idea of Jimmy Howard going to the Islanders? Because I mean, he's he's not from there. He's from New York. He's close from enough, New York. So, so
1: I mean, he's, he's basically, yeah. I mean, I think he's closer to. Uh Actually, from closer to Buffalo than anywhere else, but it doesn't matter. The Buffalo is not going to want Jimmy Howard. Um, but yeah, if something could be worked out for the Islanders with the Islanders, and I don't know what makes sense there. I mean, it may even involve the rights for Ak- Akposo, because I do think that if that one of the things that he is def- that Ken Holland is definitely going to want to get is a big forward, uh, whether it be Akposo or David Backus. Um, Radulov kind of counts because he play. He's not like a real tall, imposing guy, but he plays yeah. a very physical game. He is very hard to move off the puck. Um, if you've never seen Radulov play, I think he was basically He was basically Tarasenko before Tarasenko was, um, and I think he still might be able to do it. Plus, it fits that like Radulov is thirty years old, and and Ken Holland just does not trust anybody because that was one of the things he said in his. Like, okay, oh, it used to be you know, nowadays 32 is old and it used to be that we'd build the entire team around guys that were older than that because that was that was what good. I think that Ken Holland still truly believes that 30 years old is still like young and has a ton of years left uh because he got spoiled by like a whole string of
0: guys who uh who defied that. Yeah, for sure. And that's uh that's really interesting. Good. I'm glad that you brought up Radulov because there's been so much uh chatter about the Red Wings having his, you know, um uh, you know, at first uh it, it the the report said that uh, Radulov had the Red Wings on his short list or whatever, as long as whatever, and um, he just wants to come to the NHL at this point. Um, and then, you know, more reports came out that the Red Wings were kind of doing their due diligence there and reaching out to his teammates over in Russia and making sure that he had his head on straight and he wasn't, you know, the, uh, the, the, the shit pest that he has been in, in, in recent years. Um, and, you know, I, I spoke with a couple of people, um, over in in Russia, who who watch uh, CSKA, um, and from what I hear is that Radulov is indeed a uh, different a different type of player nowadays. And some people say it has to do with the fact that he had a kid. Um, others say that it has to do with the coaching. Um, that he had, you know, cause, uh, their, their new coach came over, uh, they hired him two years ago. Um, and he's really kind of taken on a different role and a different, uh, different mindset. So, I mean, if he has his head on straight and, uh, you know, he's not going to be some sort of, uh, you know, jerk off in the locker room or, you know, whatever. I mean, I don't care if he's an asshole on the ice. That's great. As long as he's not being an asshole to, you know, the players around, like on his team, um, you can be as mean to other players as you want I just you know i I, I actually think it would be great to see a guy who would who, you know because i that's one thing I do like about Rajloff is that he's a very emotional player and he will he will when he gets angry he will step onto another level it was like how johan Franzen was when he would get mad he'd just turn into this like cyclops of hockey and just and kick a bunch of ass <laughs> so and um I would be okay with that but the thing is is I, the way I look at it is it needs to be a one-year or two-year deal like that's it it needs to be a show me deal it's like show me that you have gotten your shit together and you know you you want to play here and you're gonna and you're gonna contribute in in more ways than just product producing on the ice and you know then then yeah i mean after that you'll you'll know where you're at if you want to sign them as a veteran and you know sign them for a few more years then go for it and if it doesn't work out then peace out you know, have fun wherever you want to go. So
1: yeah, um, the thing with Radulov is that I think that a lot of the downsides, like the, the risks associated with, uh, with signing him, that a lot of people are bringing up and I, nothing is going to solve the, if you get Radulov, you're definitely not getting Stamkos and we could have Stamkos. So I'm going to maybe stupidly trust that essentially, uh, if Ken Holland signs Radulov, he already knows that uh, Stamkos was not going to happen. So, uh, Everybody will believe whatever they want to believe, and I'm not necessarily sure that I believe that in the first place. However, if you sign Radulov, the worst-case scenario is that Radulov has not learned his lesson, that he is going to be this, like, this huge pain in the ass for a second-year coach where there's already questions about how much control over the locker room Blashell has. He's going to clash with the the so-called Swedish Mafia, and everything is going to be just a gigantic shit show in Detroit this season. And honestly, I My, do see that concern. Yeah. If it happens, though,
0: I fucking welcome it with open arms. Yeah, um, it's, it's definitely something that might, it could help them <laughs> either way. It really could. Yeah, if
1: because if the Red Wings are a circus show next season and things go terribly to shit, then everything that's that's been going on will see the light of day. And if, the, if it's shit that is that terribly wrong inside the Red Wings locker room right now, and then you bring another guy in and it goes even more wrong, then there's no way to lie your way out of that. There's no way to deny that shit has gone terribly wrong and that you've got to fix it. And at least at that point, you've admitted you've got the problem and you can start taking the right steps.
0: Yeah, I'm with you on that. And uh, if that you, what you said was, was perfectly valid. And uh, I think uh, I'm cool with it. And I also think that if you trade Pavel Datsuk's contract and you trade Jimmy Howard, why not just go for both Stamkos and Radulov? There you go. Let's get weird. Let's go crazy. I also want to believe that uh, Datsuk and Radulov uh, would be a package deal. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if I'd be cool with that. I think that would be fun to watch despite whatever happens next season I would, I would welcome that with open arms um, mainly because you'd have Pavel Datsuk staying and then you'd have him playing with a, with a countryman, a veteran countryman, maybe that could be uh, good
2: I look forward to a line of uh, Datsuk, Radulov and Darren Helm <laughs> <laughs>
0: <You're>
1: an
2: <answer. laughs>
0: brought back
1: for six years at three and a half million per
2: uh, yeah <laughs> a- abdicator light Athens I
1: think you without
0: that. hands well speaking of uh, Athanasiu who is a young player um, as always Michelle has a wonderful prospect report for you this week Um, so we're going to toss it over to Michelle and she's going to tell us all about the Griffins who are moving into the who have swept the first round and are going into the second round and uh, we look forward to that because uh, who doesn't love AHL hockey when your team was eliminated from the NHL playoffs so thank you so much Michelle go ahead take us away
3: The Grand Rapids Griffins brought out their brooms and they swept the Milwaukee Admirals in three games in the first round of the Calder Cup playoffs. The Griffins took Game 1 in Milwaukee by a score of 3-1, Game 2 by a score of 2-1, and then headed home to the van where they swept in Game 3 by a score of 4-1. There were two names that we heard a lot of offensively for the Griffins in these first three games, and it was very nice to hear Anthony Mantha and Tyler Bertuzzi scoring goals and putting up points. Mantha and Marty Firk lead the team in points in the playoffs with four each. Mantha with three goals and an assist and Firk with a goal and three assists. And Tyler Bertuzzi also notched three goals, as did Ryan Spruill and Eric Tangrady. So far, I would say Anthony Mantha, Marty Fertuzzi, and Ryan Sproul have all had a fantastic playoffs. There was, of course, a lot of chatter when Mantha got sent back down from the Red Wings earlier in the season, and comments that Coach Blaschel had said he wasn't a superstar. While he's gone back to the AHL and he has performed very well, putting up points, and showing that he wants to play in the NHL. Two of his goals that he scored in the first round actually went through the net. The Griffins will start the second round of the Calder Cup playoffs against the Lake Erie Monsters this Thursday, May 5th after having nine days off in between series. The Toledo Walleye were knocked out of the first round of the playoffs in a Game 7 loss against the Reading Royals and consequently, the Griffins called up Jake Patterson, defenseman Joel Schwenard and side forward A.J. Jenks to a tryout. Those three guys will at least travel with the team, in addition to Evgeny Svechnikov and Joe Hicketts who are also both traveling with the team after their CHL teams were eliminated. The Red Wings have also reassigned Andreas Athanasiou to the Griffins and he'll join them for the second round, which should be a big boost. The Griffins will face off against the Columbus Blue Jackets AHL affiliate in the second round, and they'll definitely be watching for their offense. The Monsters scored five goals in each of their first three games as they swept their first round opponent, the Rockford Icehawks. With the names like Oliver Bjorkstrand, Alex Broadhurst, Zach Warinsky, Sonny Milano, and Dylan Hetherington on the team, it's no surprise that they have a bit of offense. The Griffins defense is going to have to do an expert job at not only playing defense but also clearing things away from Tom McCullum, who will probably start in net for these games as well. In net for the Monsters will be Jonas Corposalo, who has so far posted a 924 save percentage in the three games of the Calder Cup playoffs. The Griffins will likely continue with Tom McCullum in net as he's played the first three games, and he has a 968 save percentage and a one goals against average in the three games so far. However, I will say he's had some shaky moments where he hasn't looked great, but the defense has done a fantastic job of clearing rebounds, clearing people away from him and allowing him to see show- And they're definitely going to have to keep that up. Lake Erie has the home ice advantage, so they'll host games 1 and 2. It'll be this Thursday, May 5th, and then Saturday, May 7th before the next two games come back to Grand Rapids Sunday May 8th and Tuesday the 10th. The second round and all consecutive rounds in the playoffs are now seven games. As I mentioned earlier, the Toledo Walleye were knocked out of the playoffs in the first round, losing 4-1 in Game 7 against Reading. It was a bit disappointing given how well their regular season went and and how good the team played. It's hard to see such a good team go out in the first round. And yet it was a hard fought round, and the entire team certainly has a lot to be proud of this season. Jake Patterson ended up playing three of the seven games in the playoff series, posted an 873 save percentage, and had two wins and one loss. He won't see any time playing with the Griffins the rest of the playoffs, but he is traveling with the team. In the CHL, Adam Marsh remained sidelined with an injury for the remainder of the St. John Sea Dogs playoffs. The dogs lost in five games to Shewinigan in the third round. Of the playoffs, and Marcia's team was the last rooting interest of Red Wings fans to get knocked out. Evgeny Svechnikov and the Cape Breton Screaming Eagles lost in seven games to Adam Marsh's St. John Sea Dogs before Svechnikov was assigned to the Griffins. Out in the Western Hockey League, Joe Hicketts and the Victoria Royals were eliminated in a heartbreaking 3-2 overtime loss in Game 7 of the second round of the playoffs to the Kelowna Rockets. He was also then assigned to the Griffins shortly thereafter. With plenty of Red Wings prospects making it to the playoffs, it was a little bit sad to see most of that come to an end, with one after another being eliminated. However, Christopher N. and the Fralunda Indians are the SHL champions after beating the Holmstromless. Schleftia in five games in the finals. N had one assist in that series, but did play an important role in his team's win. And it was exciting to see a Red Wings prospect actually win a championship. So with N out of the playoffs after being the champ, and the rest of the Red Wings prospects eliminated, it's down to just the Griffins now who are in the playoffs and still playing hockey. All Red Wings' eyes are on those Griffins now, and the young players who are performing. It should be an exciting second round series and if you have an opportunity to go watch either on the road in Lake Erie or at the van in Grand Rapids, do it. Go and see these kids play while you still have a chance. It's probably your last chance to see a guy like Andreas you before he gets to the NHL and some of these kids are either going to be gone or promoted next year. So go enjoy some hockey, scout out the kids who are the future of the Red Wings and just enjoy some playoff hockey. Until next time, that's what's going on in the world of Red Wings prospects.
0: Thank you so much, Michelle, as always, for your awesome prospect report. You are a scholar and a saint, and I hope that you have a wonderful week. Um, so we're going to hop right into reader questions, as always. Uh, we are going to let our favorite monster, JJ, field the questions. Uh, doesn't look like there's that many this week. Looks like we had a late mail back, but that's okay. We're still going to make the most of it. No duct tape grady questions, it looks like. So it's going to be a good... It's gonna be a good episode for the from here on out. JJ,
1: yeah, hi. no, no, d- ten Grady, uh, no FMKs. A lot of people answering questions in the mailbag post. Thank no you dick for nipples. trying to do our jobs, but um, yeah, no, Dick Nipples. Thank God. So, Homes from '96 starts us off with. Um, I'm sure you're going to cover this, but how do I come to terms with Erickson being on the team next year? You just do.
2: Um, you just uh, deal with it. Favorite alcohol? You know, whatever your favorite alcohol. Drink of choice is
0: I just, suggest Four Roses Single Barrel.
2: Mm, that is some good, good, it's good, some good stuff. It's a well. Weller is also very good.
1: I like Weller. Yes, that was very. Uh, good. no, it's for Ericsson, So Google how to make Pruno and do that.
2: <laughs> just pour hot. Just just pour uh, boiling bleach into your eyes whenever he goes on to on the ice, and you'll be fine.
1: Drink a nice toilet wine. Now, honestly, um. The concept with how to deal with Ericson is—you've got to learn how to be how to be entertained while watching the Red Wings. And my trick for being entertained while watching Ericson is knowing that I am not anywhere close to the single most angry red and nude online person about Ericson ever. So you go find that person and you just laugh at that, just at their response to literally every single thing Ericson does, because the the continued bewilderment about why he's on the team, because we're all bewildered about it, but like the, the angry, like, I'm going to shave off my own eyebrows uh, <laughs> so they won't catch fire, is that's how I get through it. So, uh, CK03, is this the year for the Sharks?
2: It, it is. Be. I mean, it, it, you know, you look at who's left. Who's left that you would immediately take without question in a seven-game series over the Sharks right now? Yeah, it's see it's, the hesitation right there says you know what it could be Chicago and L A getting knocked out. I mean they knocked L A out, so you know congratulations, yeah. kudos to them. They deserve that. But Chicago getting knocked out, I think was was huge because it opened up the West. Now that Chicago and L A are out, the West is I mean, any one of those. Well, not Nashville, they're done. But Dallas, St. Louis, San Jose, not a single one of them being in the Stanley Cup final will surprise me based on who's left.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, I think that. I mean, personally, as I'm saying this right now, I think it. I we could really, really see a uh, Pittsburgh-San Jose Stanley Cup final, and I think that'd be fun as hell.
1: Yeah. See, and on the flip side to the like, there is not a team where you can, without hesitation, say uh, they will beat the Sharks. Is that other than Nashville? There's not another team where you can say the Sharks would destroy them.
2: No. I, it's I. It feels like of the eight teams that are left. Take out Nashville. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you could really make a case for any one of them being in the finals. Maybe not, maybe not winning, but being in the final. I personally, I think whoever I think whoever wins between Washington and Pittsburgh represents the East. I feel like that's your your East right there because they're the they're they're both better than Founders in Tampa. Now, if Tampa gets Stroman and Stamkos back, if they can advance past the Islanders and get those two back, and Bishop keeps playing well, ooh, Ooh. They could. That might change my yeah. pick a little. But as long as Strawman and Stamkos are still out, once they play a team with the kind of depth that Washington and Pittsburgh and San Jose and, and Dallas and whoever that they can kind of throw at them, I, I think they're in some serious trouble. Because the yeah, Islanders see. are the Islanders are a one line team pretty much too. Just like the Red Wings were. The difference is their line scores.
1: Yeah. True. See, and I'm worried with the Pittsburgh-Washington series is who's going to be left alive after that. Uh, it's it's already, like, getting pretty nasty. It has that feeling of, uh, of when Detroit faced off against the Ducks and yeah. basically didn't have enough health to, to keep going. So, like, I think that either way, Pittsburgh and Washington is going to be – Weaker from having played the other one in the second round, right? And they're going to be ripe to get picked off. I think if they make it to the to the you know past the the Atlantic champion, then they've got a real good shot. But yeah, I mean, literally anybody except for Nashville and the Islanders, I think that yeah, there's a real decent chance, and I'm kind of looking forward to it. Um, honestly, I don't want the Sharks to go beyond the conference finals, but if they do, I'm not going to be terribly torn up about it. Um, I think the Ducks have taken
0: the choker label from them and uh and rammed it down their throats pretty far. Yeah, I, I, I would I think I would like to see the sharks too because I really like Joe Thornton and I like Brent Burns. And uh, I'd like to see them them do it. I don't really I like oh yeah Don Skoy. I like that guy too. He's really great. I remembered his name this time. How <laughs> about Turney and Donskoy? I really like them as, as a pair. Turney is good. They have a lot of good players, like a lot of low-key good players on that team. And uh, I think it's funny because DeBoer was like kind of made out to be this awful coach because he coached the fucking New Jersey Devils who were just perpetually bad. Um, yeah. But he's done a hell of a job. I mean, he really has. So I will
1: say I do not like Joe Thornton.
0: I'm still really? mad at
1: him for the diving shit antics for when we met them in the playoffs. Okay. Um, I think he is more likable than I thought years ago. But still, I don't necessarily want him to be happy. But I will take it over. Like I take the Sharks over
0: the Blues. So yeah, oh yeah, yeah, I, yeah, for yeah. sure, for sure. I yeah, I will see, here's the flip side though. Um, I wouldn't mind the Blues making more noise in the playoffs because I really like Ken Hitchcock. So I don't know. I whatever. I'm. I just. I just. I just really hate the Red Wings. That's all I really know right yeah. now. Yeah, the super hateable teams
1: are are done. That's <laughs> here, Chicago and Los Angeles. <laughs> yep. We're like the devil. Don't let anybody, don't let them win, please, please Lord. But I can find reasons to be happy
0: about literally every team remaining. For sure. And if the Blues lose, <laughs> um, yeah. then Hitchcock will probably get fired, and then he can come coach the power play. Yeah, sure. He, that's not going to happen, people. I'm just, I'm joking. All
1: right, Operator Z wants to know. Uh, he says, assuming no off-season acquisitions and Helm is not re signed. That leaves the Wings with three NHL experience centers, uh, Zetterberg, Riley, and Glendening. Does AA or Larkin or Manta or some other option slot in a center next year? Who and why? Manta definitely is going to be a Yeah, win. Manta. A winner, I, th- yeah.
0: yeah. I think, yeah. I think that their a plan win-
1: is, win- is Man- that, that, that Larkin is going to be a, a center next season. I don't think that they yep. intended yeah. to
0: make him a, a winger for his entire career. Uh, I would um, hope not. And I'd like Athanasiu to be a center as well. I've been on my soapbox about moving Larkin to center, but I like that they kind of just, you know, eased him in this year. You know, they, they tried him at center a couple times. It didn't really work out. But um, I think in the offseason they should really be going to him and saying, hey, you need to work on your face-offs. You need to work on, you know, being – you know what NHL competition is like. Now you need to get ready because we're going to throw you in a center position and we're not fucking moving you. The, uh, the training wheels are off, bud. Yeah, I'm okay
1: to the point of moving Glenn Denning and Cheyenne to wing if we for have. sure.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep.
1: And plus, I mean, we're gonna bring Brad Richards back too, so there's another. Fuck center. you,
0: JJ. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, he uh, he talked this like uh, the Daniel uh, Wakiji on the Red Wing site posted an article talking to him, and it really sounded like he was gonna like considering hanging him up. He said he he's gonna take. Yeah, it on. did sound
0: like yeah. Well, I mean. Or at there least were. You're off. It sounded
2: like there. There were. There, I mean, it's, I, I got to imagine it was probably tough. I mean, he was in the. He was on the Rangers. They went to the finals. He was on Chicago. We won a cup. Then he comes to Detroit, and you know, I mean, he's he's played a lot of hockey over the last couple of years. I'm sure he's probably exhausted, and he's won cups now. Oh and he's he's kinda he's really kinda done everything. I mean what else is what else is Brad Richards really gonna do at this point in his career? He's gonna be yeah. a third or fourth line center, he's gonna sign one year deals, maybe wins a cup, maybe he doesn't. And he's he's probably wondering, you know, unless I can get the right situation, it's just gonna be a one and done. Maybe it's time.
0: Yeah, unless it's on a cup contender, then yeah, just screw it, dude. Just just hang out with your kids yep. and, and I don't know, drink yeah. whiskey or something. Just yeah. go perfect your animal mother from full metal jacket
1: cosplay because she looked just like him <laughs> arbitrary and capricious says happy thoughts can you describe in detail all the ways in which the upcoming expansion draft will save this team by undoing Kenny's poor long-term decisions uh, well, this is all over that immediately by reminding him that you can only take one player for it yeah came.
0: it's not like... Yeah, it's, totally I mean that yeah, it's not like it's open season on every contract that is on un- that's left on un- uh, unprotected. Uh, the best case scenario is that, you know, they don't protect Erickson and <laughs> that he gets taken, but I still don't think. I mean, you know, there's going to be other players for the Red Wings that are unprotected and I just don't think that Erickson is going to be a very lucrative option from the Red
2: Wings. Yeah, I mean, but I could be wrong. It, it, they're going to they're going to lose probably... I know everybody thinks Ericsson's going to get picked. My fear is that um, first of all, that they'll protect him for some stupid, weird reason. Um, but if they leave him unprotected, my fear is that he won't get picked because of the contract. I don't know why. Yeah. I mean, a, a, an expansion team, they're going to need to get some high-dollar high, high dollar players in in order to hit a salary cap floor. So, um, I don't know. There's just a small part of me that thinks that if they... if they pick some from The Red Wings. The Red Wings won't be able to protect everybody. So, is a is a player like is a player like Thomas Yerko going to get unprotected? And if Honestly. so, yeah, I mean he would be. He'd get snapped up in a heartbeat. He Should be anyway from an expansion team. So that's my fear. I don't know that it's going to to you know take care of of the long term mistakes that Ken Holland has made. I mean only Ken Holland can really do that, and he's going to have to do that by kind of eating some crow and, and biting some bullets a little bit, but um, yeah, you know, maybe they could lose, maybe they can lose a big ticket contract. Maybe they can lose Abdulkader.
1: See, I've never thought about that. I think that uh, losing Abdulkader in an expansion draft would be bad um, because I think applicator has more value than just tossing out an expansion draft. What I was going to say would be probably the best case scenario there is they make a deal with the Las Vegas butt wranglers to, that's the the team name um to take you take erickson and we will give you a better deal on Abdulkader. you still have to give us something for Abdulkader, but we will trade him to you as long as you take erickson in the expansion draft yeah that's what i'm hoping
2: i could see that i mean look at when um uh it was Nashville. They took doug brown and immediately traded him back to the red wings Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, those kind of deals happen all the time. Hey, take this player, trade him back, and then we'll give you this player. Or we'll, we'll give you this pack of players or something. You know, stuff like that happens.
1: So, uh, Holmes from 96 asks about where Howard is going to go, which we already answered. But Peak 7 kind of kicks over. The, basically, who is going to be the backup? Do we have a Grand Rapids goalie to bring up? Um are we like are we calling up Caro to back up Morazic next year? Or are we gonna like try to sign Cam Ward to a cheap contract? Uh, somebody mentioned earlier that um, there's a possibility of trading Howard for Anthony Niemi in Dallas, and it's not ideal because Anthony Niemi makes about seven hundred thousand dollars less and has one less year on his contract. But that's something that would be tenable.
0: Yeah, that's uh, you know it's an interesting yeah. one, and I don't know Niemi's contract terms off the top of my head. What does he have? Two more years left, or is it one more year? Two more. Two more. So, I mean, and he gets paid, what, 700000 less than Howard? Yeah. So, I mean, that would have to be an absolute, like, last resort for me. Because um, personally, I think if you can trade Howard's contract, um, I mean, if, if you don't want to sign a free agent goalie, then, I mean, Jared Carrow is, he's got the NHL build. He's done really well since having a rough start in the AHL and the ECHL give why why not i mean you know morazek is the bona fide future goaltender uh the dude should be starting at least 60 goddamn games a season so i mean why not but i mean if there was no suitors for it and you absolutely needed to move that contract and you would assume two more years of just a veteran goaltender um if it was a last last resort thing then sure i mean you you, you free up a couple of years later down the line so why not
1: yeah, if they, if we go to the consideration of them, maybe you can also flip him. It'll be like the reverse of the guy who traded a paperclip and got a house. Like, you trade <laughs> Howard down for Nehemi, you trade Nehemi down for, like, one other guy who's a little cheaper, until you end up with, like, a nobody as as a bad con. Like, you get Garrett Sparks.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I I'm I think, like I said before, that should be something that could be considered, but certainly something yeah, it's that be a last should be, It needs to be a last resort, like, and, and personally, I don't I don't think Nil does it. So, uh,
1: Let's see. Make the Red Wings great again is a very good username, but he asked like, about what we're going to do with the draft, and we already talked about that. So I just wanted to read that, that username out. Oh, okay. Um, Datsuki and Freak, free agents that are appealing other than Stamkos. Um, we did talk about Stamkos. We talked about Radulov. We talked about David Backus and Kalo Poso. Uh, is there anybody else out there?
0: Mm-hmm. You know what? Uh, it, Louis Harrison? Mm. yeah, Luis yeah, Hickson.
2: I mean, he worked I like, think he's going to want too much term. Oh, for sure, yeah. But uh, you know, I, I I don't know. I I think once you get past the the top, it's there's a depth out there that I think could be pretty good. I mean, the the RFA market is much more intriguing except nobody ever signs RFAs, so it won't matter. Yeah. But um I, you know, I, it, it was funny. If the wings hadn't gotten Mike Green last year, I would have said Brian Campbell would have been, in choice. Maybe bring him in a one or two year deal. But with Mike Green in the, uh, when they already have Mike Green, it's he, he would be redundant. So,
0: oh fuck, that's absolutely going to happen, dude. You know, Alex Goligosky is going to be a nope. uh, an unrestricted free agent. No <clears throat> oh, thanks. Um, <laughs> even though it probably would absolutely happen, but I honestly think like if he wasn't about to demand so much. I wouldn't mind Louis Erickson. I think that a lot of the work he did with the Bruins this season uh, was sitting in front of the net. <laughs> so, I mean, that's... I, I'll bet you any money that they're going to try and... Con- they'll consider it, and they'll probably try and kick tires on him, so... Yeah. Stall. Stephen Weiss. <laughs> Milan Lucic. Stephen... Stephen... <laughs> okay. Keith Yandel. Yandel's another one. So, Yandel is one that I feel like is you'd basically just be bringing bringing in uh a left-handed Mike Green. So, he's going to want I think over you know at least 6 million dollars a year and um if they didn't have Mike Green then maybe but you know I'm not saying Keith Yandel's a bad defenseman by any means. He was certainly one of the he was probably the best defenseman outside of Ryan McDonough for the the Rangers. And I think the Rangers are going to try and re-sign him, but um yeah, it just it just he's going to be what 30 or something like that, so you know, defensemen yeah, seem to around. age age quicker than forwards do sometimes. So Dan Boyle's a free
1: agent. We don't have to hang out with Larry Brooks very often, so maybe he'd behave. I'm kidding. Well, didn't he say that he's retiring? I don't know. Who cares? Fuck that okay. guy. We uh, ruined the Andrew joke, Ladd. pal. Fuck you. <laughs> what was the question? Andrew Ladd, big guy, 30 years
2: old. No. Nah, he, he's talked openly about wanting to go back to Chicago for a discount, so he's looking for a winner.
1: Yuri Hitler?
2: Sure. Yeah. Sean <laughs> Michael Lyles, Troy Brower. I the I you know, the irony of Yuri Hudler being considered sloppy seconds is just kind of it's not lost on me. Yeah. Yeah.
0: How about give uh, Yarmir Yager a Yarmir a one year deal? Uh they're they didn't I re- I read I read a report that they're on they're close on another deal so.
2: Yeah. Yeah. He'll, he'll stick in Florida.
0: He's going to stay there why would anybody want to leave? Luke Shen, 26 years old about to be
1: a UFA. He's terrible but he's a defenseman. No. Yeah,
2: they, they already got one. <laughs> one disappointing defensive block in the kids already, and they've signed him for another eight years. So. Yeah, I mean, it wouldn't surprise
1: to... me if like any of these like kind of weird, out of the blue moves happen because that's just what Ken Holland is, has been doing. Um, but yeah, I don't. I'm not excited about this free agent class, and I would just as soon not playing it as well. Yeah. So, uh, let's see. Moving on. MD uh, 12, once in so all your favorite Red Wings draft since 2010. So I guess that doesn't include... Um, 20. So, okay, 2011 was Yurko, Ouellette, Sproul, Tiverdin, Marchenko. 2014.
2: Is that the Larkin year?
1: Yeah, it's yeah. Larkin and Axel Holmstrom.
2: Yep.
0: 2013, gave us Mantha and Bertuzzi. i still say 2014. Also and maybe it might end up being 2015 next year. Who knows? Because I really like Sebastian and I really like Cyrus Jarvi so...
2: I just I, I like I'll go with 15 as well because like Joran van Rottelberghe because that's a great name. He's <laughs> probably Joran. It is Joran. Yeah, sure. Uh, I'll
1: go with 2011 because we drafted Alan Quine, and now he's playing for the Islanders.
2: That's that's I, you know, it's funny Fairs. to me the people who have brought up Alan Quine as some sort of failure of Ken Holland, when honestly, I bet you a month ago people 90% of Red Wing fans forgot that Allen. Quine was a red draft oh, pick. Oh, yeah.
0: I forgot, I forgot about Alan Quine like completely. I knew that he was a draft pick, but uh, until he scored that goal for the Islanders in the first round, I was like, oh, my God, I forgot about this, dude.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's he scored one overtime goal, and all of a sudden it's, oh, look, there goes the system again. Like, right. <laughs> he was terrible. So whatever.
1: Bill H. brings us back down to earth. Holland and Blashell say they want to help players improve. Since most of the players have regressed in 2015 16, what specifically has gone wrong with this concept of helping players play better? What is Blashell going to do to help players
0: improve next season? Obviously, he can't be doing the same things he's done this season. Well, I hope that he's giving the right players more ice time and the right players less ice time. That'd probably be a start.
2: Well, um, you know, part of it is some of the players regressed, I think, due to age. You know, the veteran players, Davsuk, Zetterberg, I mean, I think there's just a natural age regression that's going to happen with those players. Uh, I'm going to guess that Bill is talking specifically about Nyquist and Tatar because those are the players that they're kind of the poster children for for the the players didn't get better this year. Um, I think a large part of it stems from the lack of success on the power play. Because if you look at Tatar and Nyquist's five-on-five production, it's pretty. it was pretty close last year to what it's been in their career. The difference was, like the year before, Nyquist had 12 or 13 power play goals. Tatar had a bunch of power play goals. They didn't score in a power play this year. So I think their overall numbers didn't look as good. And I, I, I do believe that the power play was a, a big reason why that you know, kind of those that those objective numbers don't look as strong. Uh, I also think the the tinkering of the lines made a difference earlier in the season, uh, where everybody was kind of playing with everybody. And yeah, you know, I mean, I know that we kind of look at statistics and say, well, you know, players doing this or players players doing that. The players who are actually playing do believe in things like line chemistry and um, some of those intangibles that that we we can't measure the the players it it makes them better players for whatever reasons just one of those things you just can't explain and if they are constantly having to adjust to new line mates um, it can be difficult for them to kind of adjust so what is blasto going to do uh yeah give give the right players more ice time but give the players give some of the forwards some some players that will complement what their skills are on the ice and playing them together through through some bad times. Let them play through some struggles to see if they can kind of work through them and then get back to where you think they should be producing. I think yeah, that's, I a, that's, a good, that.
0: that's a good take, yeah.
1: Uh, Todd P. Livingston wants to know, and Graham kind of touched on this, uh, how much of a factor do you think Larkin's presence had on messing up Nyquist and Tatar, if at all?
2: What? I, I mean, I guess, I don't know. you know... I. Uh, well, I at the beginning of the don't... year... Yeah, that, this, if, that,
0: if feel, that messed Nyquist and Tatar up, then fucking trade Nyquist and Tatar. Like, yeah, I mean, if,
2: the only thing I could say is that Nyquist kind of lost his spot with Zetterberg at the beginning of the year. But if Nyquist is as good as we believe he is, he shouldn't have to have that kind of center to be able to produce at his career average. Yeah,
0: I don't know. I just don't think one player should mess up both two players' production. Like That just seems asinine to me.
1: Alright, what do you think our D will look like in October, asks uh, MT Coat. Oh, it's huh. like a jacket without an owner. MT Coat. Sorry. Mm-hmm.
0: It's a dumb <laughs> joke. What do you think our D will look like in October? Short, shriveled, and always to the left.
2: I was <laughs> sitting here trying to come up with something <laughs> like low <laughs> and lazy. Um, um, uh, I don't know. It's, uh, I mean, you know, the, the players that are that were there are going to be there. Um... I think Brendan Smith gets traded. Wow. I think he's I, I think they're gonna trade him. I, I think this. he has value. And I think that um I think Jen I, I'm going this is a total bold prediction. Should write it down now. I think <laughs> Jensen makes a team. Uh, Alright.
0: Yeah. Um Smith could get traded. Um I don't know if I'd be happy with that. But I guess it just depends on what turns it, what you. This is a question that really needs to be answered after free agency, <laughs> in my opinion.
1: It's just, I don't think that there's like enough space. We're gonna get like one new face in. Yeah, it's like, gonna I, be Cronwall, Erickson. It's gonna be DeKaiser, Smith. It's gonna be Marchenko and Jensen, Wulett, Green, and, and Green. Yeah. So, do
0: you guys like, ever think? Do you guys ever think that maybe Green ends up traded? cuz I've been thinking about that. I honest to God have been thinking. It's I think a three-year
1: t- deadline rental, so. Well, yeah, that's what it would I, Well, you
0: yeah. know. I, I think I, that he might maybe end up traded, I don't know.
2: Maybe in in the last year of his contract. I could see that more than than this coming season cuz he's still got that one more year at that $6 million hit. So, it's I mean, possibility, you never know. I mean, you know, you look at look at Justin Schultz getting traded from Edmonton He... She looks pretty good in, uh, in Pittsburgh now because he's been kind of removed from a situation where he had a lot of expectations. Maybe uh, I don't think Green had that many expectations, but he still looks pretty. Bad. Maybe you can. Yeah. yeah, but he doesn't look. He's, he's he, he can be more sheltered. Bad.
0: Yeah, yeah. He yeah.
2: can be sheltered. So maybe that's uh, maybe that's what happens to Green. Who knows? Maybe they yeah. trade him back to Washington. Kind of funny.
1: I think Detroit's blue line core has no faces that we have not seen in the organization. Uh, I think that Grand Rapids' defensive core looks fairly different. Mm -hmm. Because with uh, Woulet, Jensen, and Sproul all out of options next year, um, you know, they'll probably... Yeah, but Marchenko basically wasn't a Griffin anyway, so... Yeah, whatever. But, like, add in Hicketts and sorry, Harvey. So, I don't know. I think that's what's going to be Holland getting aggressive at the draft is I think he's going to trade a decent number of defensive prospects for... I don't know, probably for more picks. Uh, Swede wants the cup. Excludes Fedorov in this, but says, if you could bring back one of the Russian five in their prime to help us move forward next year, who would it be? And he also said what current players would be on his line.
2: Well, I'd bring which, back uh, Konstantinov.
0: Yeah, you'd bring back a defensive. Yeah, that's that's the first
2: one I'd say is Konstantinov. Sure. Konstantinov and you'd pair him with, uh, my God, who cares? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, really. He'd immediately make every defense pairing. It like if we're talking in his prime, he'd make every defense I'd pairing. I'd pair him with
0: i pair him with Green. Smith Konstantinov. Oh, that'd be a good one. Um a, a close second, a close second for me would be Larianov.
2: Yeah, yeah. That would be that'd be my yeah, that would
0: help the, uh, the
1: center depth.
2: Yeah.
0: Number number.
2: I one. don't
1: know. And the funny thing is, is I almost want to say Fatisov instead of uh Konstantinov hmm. because I think that the way hockey has changed has not necessarily changed to benefit the way Konstantinov played. <laughs> I, I think that um, Konstantinov's yeah, right. mean ass would get him; he would get him in a lot of trouble. Uh, yeah. Where Fetisov was always a much more cerebral, uh, very calm. Like he really was a lot more like Lidstrom than that I think that our memories give him credit for, because by the time we got him, he was well past his prime, and so he was just kind of yeah. taking on the old man mentor role. But he was uh, he was real, real good in the old days, so I don't know. I still think I might take Konstantinov because I liked him more, but uh, it's, it's, not, it's a good question. Yeah,
2: that's, that's a, a really, really good, good question. question.
1: I like it. All right. Uh, Yvette S19 um, wants to know if this is the worst elimination they've had in their uh, 25-year playoff run.
2: No. No. Well, he said it was easily the most accepting he, she, has been of a of Wings playoff ouster.
1: Yeah, he said, but what was the worst playoff elimination you've experienced? Maybe outside uh, of the final
0: loss. Um, God. Yeah, I, they would definitely have to be outside of that. that, that. Stanley Cup final loss.
2: Um, the 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 person the personal one for me was ninety three because they lost to Toronto and I was fourteen so it was I mean that was just it was a double way I mean going to school the day after they lost was was awful. Uh,
0: if I have to, yeah if I have to go recent memory like and I'm saying really recent then I mean that that one against the Bruins recently was really that sucked, um, but. Really, honestly, the one before Lidstrom left, because right after that, it fucking sucked even more.
2: My, the one that hurt the most, probably, probably '96, because that team was like stupid stacked. Yeah, and that, that 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 team that team should have rolled to the final, like just through, like just like a hot knife through butter. And you know, it, I mean, they could barely eliminate a pig in the first round that year, so. Uh, I don't know. Um,
1: I think that Steve Eiserman skating off for the very final time mm-hmm. after a real shitty series after losing hockey for the year to lockout was probably the most painful. Hmm. Like, I didn't necessarily have, like, I mean, I, I had real expectations for that team. They were still in mm-hmm. transition year, and it's like you'd watched Eiserman suffer like, basically through the entire season, too. And then, like, they just, like, got to the first round. They really shit the bed, and then, like, he skates off into the sunset. That just, that really hurt. Even more, like, because the Pittsburgh thing, like, didn't, it was still, I'm still shocked about it. I've never, just never gotten over the shock. Um, and there have been a lot of frustrating ones, but that was like probably as sad as I've been right up until I kind of got to the realization that we probably saw Datsuk play his last game.
2: So yeah, uh, if
1: uh, Datsuk
0: uh, ends up if Datsuk ends up leaving for sure, then this one will definitely might go up in the top. Yeah,
1: but like I said, like I had expectations for that that Red
2: Wings team. Yeah, that I, it. I was yeah, expecting that, that, the elimination this time. Yeah, the team losing is not a shock. I mean, the player going is is that sucks. Even with even with uh, Lidstrom, I mean, losing to Nashville in hindsight, it didn't. It wasn't a huge. Sp- losing in five was a huge shock. But I don't know. They all suck. They're all stupid. Yeah, I hit him. Part two
1: is: What is the worst reaction you or someone you've seen has had to a Wings elimination? Uh, I can admit to drunkenly breaking a few old dresser drawers after one of our many losses to the Sharks.
2: I, I'm um, on a door. I've never done anything like that. No, uh, was no the, uh, uh, That was the '09 9 finals. It was after Talbot scored the second one. I stood up, and my daughter was still awake, and she was only... She was two, and I had kind of made a deal that I wasn't going to swear in front of her. It was Game 7 of the Stanley Cup Finals, so the uh, that willpower was kind of lacking yeah so what i was going to do is i was going to go walk to my front door and quietly swear out the front door just get it all out of my system and then come back the problem was as i was walking i saw the door to my basement right there and i just just turned and cracked (laughs) it went to the front door just swore a little bit turned around and my wife was standing in the kind of the door the hallway between kitchen and, and the hallway to the front door, and just had this look on my face, on her face, of you are a fucking idiot, what did you just do? And <laughs> I was still angry, so instead of being apologetic, I looked at her and said, what? So, <laughs> uh, she, um, see, I, I, the joke I made is that I was suspended for two weeks uh, after that incident, and she's like, do you think that's the that's the um, example you want to set for your daughter. I said, I didn't wear it in front of her. So yes, I didn't. I didn't hold it in and hit a person. I hit an uh, an object. It's fine. Well, so that's probably mine, the worst.
0: Mine would be. Uh, it was the against the sharks uh, when the sharks came back uh, when we were up on them and we had their backs to the wall. Um, I was currently uh, on working on the road with a, with a friend who was a Sharks fan. Um, and I remember we had, we were up on them, we had three games, and uh, we had won three games and he's like, it's over, dude. And and then a week later there he is celebrating it, and I, I think I told him like oh god, I said some terrible stuff to him, because he came up to me and he's like, ha ha sucks to suck, dude. And I was just like and like just blew a gas. I was like god, you know, fuck you and fuck your stupid life. And yeah, I said some really mean stuff, but it was okay, because he was totally cool. He understood. It wasn't like I punched a door in my home. I've never had an angry
1: overreaction to a Red Wings elimination. I get it out during the regular season. I chucked a mouse <laughs> to, like across two rooms uh, last year. And what? I, put a, I, I chucked my mouse like across two rooms. Uh, put a dent in the wall.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: Over Just, a regular season. I remember before. one year I... It was a regular, when, yeah, the Christmas tree was up at the time. I was just, I was so mad at the team that,
2: yeah. <laughs> the Christmas tree was just really making me more angry. I remember when they lost to the Flames in '04. I took my dog for a walk and, and like, just, and spoke out loud. People must have thought I was crazy, because I was just like, you fucking of asshole, choking motherfuckers, can't win a fucking series against fucking <laughs> Calgary. And, and said it all out loud the whole time. And just, and just walked my dog. And she probably was like, oh, whatever.
1: <laughs> oh, the Rangers game on the last day of the season, I flipped over the ottoman and yelled, like, some real horrible things. Really? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Jessica had taken all the, the kids out, so, like, oh, I so was you, the only hey. one in the house. Um, I thought the neighbor was going to call the cops on me, though. <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah, uh, that uh, was The first Rangers call. Um, LA Wing says, Kenny says he won't trade Pavel's rights if it costs too much of the future. Do you think he would trade... With Arizona for Pronger and then long-term injured retire, uh, reserve him, thus being able to buy out Pavel's contract. I don't get this
0: question. So, so I think the concept is he he would flip flop the contracts. Yeah, he would flip flop the contracts, knowing that Chris Prongers would go off the books at some point, and or it would go off the books because he's long-term injured reserve. I have a feeling that if that happened, the NHL would probably come down on it. Yeah, I, I a have a lot. feeling that the NHL will just come right down on it. They should pull Pronger out of the Hall of Fame if they're going to do that. Absolutely, they should. They should, <laughs> then they should fire him from the NHL too.
1: I don't know because that's more long-term injury reserve, and they've already uh, they're already hitting up with Fronson. being he's going to be on long-term injury reserve. Uh, that's going to be quite a bit there. I don't think that's ideal. I mean, I would take it other uh, than nothing, but sure, why not?
2: Well, and they got to be up against the cap for that for you to remove the cap hit anyway.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um. We did kind of talk about this earlier, but Sign19 wants to know, with uh, Granado gone and some slight speculation that First Weiler might be getting the chop, any ideas who would be available to address the horrible issues of our defense and power play? Kyle already mentioned this, and I think it's absolutely true, because uh, the Red Wings have talked about it, that they're talking about, you know, reorganizing what's going on behind the bench. It got said to uh, to M MLive. Um, I am absolutely convinced that First Weiler is going to be the, the coach of the penalty kill next season and not the power play. And they're gonna bring somebody else in, but yeah, like uh, also like I said earlier, I have no idea who um, Adam Oates isn't coaching anywhere right now, and he ran a pretty good power play. Uh, you're not gonna get Boudreaux behind the bench. He's gonna end no. up in Ottawa as a head coach somewhere or somewhere else. Um, yeah. So it's,
0: yeah, I mean, I mean, who else do you have? I think you have Mike Yao? No. Um, yeah. It, it's just you don't know. I in that was Adam Oates was mentioned in an article on NBC whatever which is whatever it's not don't don't take any stock into that but i think that adam Oates is pretty uh pretty set right now because he has his own little firm going right now so i don't think he's looking to coach
2: no and and but the, the thing about it is, is there's a lot of talk that they're going to want a guy with some experience because neither yeah. Blashfield nor first world played in the nhl so they're going to want a guy who probably has some playing experience back there or nhl head coach Coaching experience, just to kind of be that again, that veteran presence behind the bench. Wayne Gretzky. <laughs> there you go. They'll just they'll just pick up uh, Hitchcock after he's fired by St. Louis. I'd be yeah. fine with that, honestly. I actually would be too.
0: I'd be smitten with that. They will um,
1: work a deal with Iserman because we all know that he is just a plant down in Tampa Bay who is willing to come back at the drop of a hat. Uh, what we're going to do is Iserman is going to fire John Cooper and he is going to come work for Blashill because they're best friends,
0: right? Yes, mm. that sounds right. Or uh, they will just, um, they'll pull, uh, here's a good one. They'll hire Steve Eiserman to be the GM and then they'll put uh, Ken Holland in a different position. And then uh, Steve Iserman will also run the power play. There you go. Ken Holland runs the power play. There you go. Now we're thinking. That would actually probably be awful.
1: Chris Draper runs the power. Of the- Kirk Maltby, mm-hmm. he scored fifty in juniors.
0: Thomas Holmstrom. Thomas Holmstrom.
1: <laughs> I'd actually be okay with that. Except I would. would be like, "What the hell did he
2: say?" For sure. For, for sure. You Get go his sure. Yeah, for go f- to net and t- go to net and tip puck in for sure.
0: For sure. <laughs> God, it's like every fucking Euro prospect ever. They always say for sure. So does Mantha. Mantha always says for sure before he says something and then after he says it. I like for sure more than a you know,
1: because you know it gets said a lot.
0: Yeah, you know, it does.
1: All right, that uh,
0: will end it for our questions in the mailbag, so I'm going to hand right. Control back over to you. All right, uh, great questions as always. Um, so looking around the league right now, uh, as we speak right now, which it is May 2nd, 11.45 Eastern time, 10.45 fake time. Um, if you – Fuck you. I mean <laughs> – Fuck oh, no. <laughs> oh, <Boston. laughs> I know you guys always get your you guys always get your you know, you always get in a bunch when I say that or anybody says that. But um so Pittsburgh beat Washington tonight. It was the only NHL game on, and uh they now lead the series two games to one. Um I think that Washington's gonna come back and win the next game. Um so I mean that was all that really happened tonight. Do you guys have any other thoughts about what might happen now that Chicago and Los Angeles are gone i mean everything is just gravy from here right yeah it's,
2: uh, like, i'm pulling yeah, for st Dallas. louis no st louis i mean that's that's really the one team i don't i absolutely do not want to see win the cup is st louis other okay. than that yeah i don't care you like you would take pittsburgh winning a stanley cup over st louis uh you know Still, what i well Castle, th- th- yeah. Th- yeah you know and here's the thing it's a copycat league right Mm-hmm. Pittsburgh plays a f- kind of a a little bit of a more wide open style. And they've kind of done that since they um, uh, got Mike Sullivan as their coach. So maybe it would usher in a, hey, this is, you know, because, I mean, Chicago has played that way. You know, they're a little bit more open. Maybe that would finally be this kind of usher in this era of, you know, you, you can allow your players to take chances and, and play more, more of an offensive style, and not have to worry about just, you know, just locking everything down. Yeah.
0: Well, I mean, I, I, like I said before, Chicago's gone, Los Angeles is gone. We're gonna have a new Stanley Cup champion that we haven't seen in the last couple of years, so that's good. It's gonna be exciting, I think, uh, in any way we look at it. But uh, if it comes down to two teams right now, I think I'd like to see San Jose or Washington win it, um, and uh, that's the bottom line because. Uh, Kyle Wim
2: said so. <laughs> <laughs> you can smell. It I feel Kyle like this is like a wrestling win. promo. Yeah, that's a wrestling it, promo. You just that's, right the, there. that's
0: That's the joke, Graham. Is that the joke? That was know. the joke. Yeah. That's the right. joke. Whatever. Jesus fucking Christ! All right, so it's been a great show. Graham just ruined it, but I mean, whatever. no, I'm just kidding. Um, as always, thank right, you good. for. No, I'm kidding. I love you. I think I think you're a very handsome young man. Um, but anyways. I'll tell you about that after we, we end the show. Um, as always, thank you so much for tuning in. Um, hopefully, throughout the summer, we're gonna keep we're gonna keep up on this as uh, you know hopefully hopefully news stays hot and we can still talk about it. But um, as for Kyle, myself, uh, Graham, and JJ, thank you so much, and we will talk to y'all next time. Bye.
2: Bye. In it. In